You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. So, hey everybody, it's Claire. Welcome to the ACB Advocacy Update. I think I can finally get get through saying that without tripping on my tongue. Um, Welcome back. Um, Sorry we got our last episode out a little bit late, but that just means you get twice me in one week. So I know that's really exciting. You guys are all probably happy. Um, But we are very fortunate to be um, graced with Mr. Tony Stevens again this week. So very lucky. Hey, Tony. Hello. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So, how's how's life going, Tony? By the way, it's good. It's 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 full speed ahead after holidays of uh, trying to work and also having kids out of school. So. Um, oh yeah. So I was wearing two hats at once, and I'm glad today they are they well they were, they went back late last week, but it's just nice to have them out of the house where it's quiet. <laughs> Not two kids running around? No, I wouldn't have been able to do this last week because it would have been just rather noisy and me screaming at them to be quiet. (laughs) You know, that could have made an interesting podcast. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I'm sure it would have been Golden Globe quality. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, Cool. Well, yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to uh, catch up. It's great to have Tony back with us after a few weeks of um, no Tony. Um, and just kind of talk about what it looks like. Um, what was it, the third? So today we're recording today on the seventh. So just a few a few days ago, four days ago, the new Congress um, uh, came to be, um, the 116th Congress. So very exciting. Um, we had quite a few new people come in. Um, so I just wanted to talk about what that's going to look like. Um, I'm pretty jazzed. I'm pretty excited about it. Kind of a new swath of people and kind of talking about that. What's that going to look like for the blind community? Will it have positive um, consequences, negative, indifferent, you know, just kind of that thing, what it'll look like for the disability community as a whole. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to, you know, just kind of think about that and take a look. Um, I know they're saying, um, I don't know if this is correct, but I heard somebody say it is the most diverse Congress ever. Um, I know there were a couple of Native American women who um, have become part of Congress, um, other minority groups, um, a lot more women uh, have become members of the House and the Senate. So pretty exciting, pretty, pretty diverse. And I like to think that I'll have a positive um a, you know, positive effect for the disability community, the blind community, but, you know, only time will tell. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting to see what's going to happen now with this 116th Congress. So. No, definitely. I, I am a, a sucker for this time of year. I, I wish someone would create an app that's like the fantasy football, but for Congress. I love that idea. You should patent that. I would participate. So, you know, because, yeah, it is, it is a fun uh, kind of, you know, it's, it's a huge class and there hasn't been this big a, a turnover since I remember in 2010, you know, it's always, there's usually as it happens when there's a major presidential election, that's, that's, uh, very much a response to public, uh, sort of sentiment of the times as it was in 2008 with Obama, you know, there was a, there was, there was that sort of pushback or that, that sort of recoil for every action, there's a reaction. And so in 2010, you know, there was the big push in the house 
that brought forward John Boehner and, and sort of the, the Republican Party at that time as the Tea Party was, was really rising up and sort of rose to prominence in Congress. So that, and that was a huge turnover. And, and you know, it's, it's so that it's a sign of, you know, again, the, the political tides change over time. This is nothing new in a sense. I mean, this is definitely a historic Congress, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But in a sense of just, you know, uh, like playing a game, uh, like a football, a sport I know very little about. Um, congrats for your Los Angeles Chargers beating our Baltimore Ravens yesterday. I'm still not used to them being our team. They I know. Yeah, we're playing San Diego, and they're like, no, it's LA now. I was like, oh, yeah, right. it's weird. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we could hear it. I'm, I'm like about four or five blocks from the stadium. So we heard the, we heard the cheers and then the, the jeers. But, nice. but congrats. But that aside, you know, in football, it's, it's sort of this give and take, right? You know, who's on the offense, who's on the defense, all this talk of, and, and, you know, the same is somewhat true in a sense of, of politicking, uh, since we are so very much in, ensconced in two political sides. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it very much is sort of this offense defense. And now, you know, the Democrats who have been playing defense for many years in the House for the past eight years, they're now back on the offense. So what is that going to look like? In, in a sense of just historically speaking, you know, when these kind of things happen, you know, the House, the House took back control actually in 2006 when, you know, uh, after, uh, you know, they, they flipped before the Senate did back Democrat and then, you know, then they flipped back to Republican. But, you know, coming out after the Kerry election, uh, there was sort of a swell uh, in 2006 in a response to the way George Bush was handling a lot of the international, you know, stuff in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, and so the Democrats took, took back then in 2006 and there was sort of a swell then as well. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how long this, this swell sort of sustains itself. Yeah. What's, what's interesting is that it, it is, it, and there's, there's tons of political pundits out there that, that will talk ad nauseum on this stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, it is, uh, much more a composition of the people, which is essentially what the house was supposed to be. Right. I mean, when yeah, exactly. our founding fathers created it, you know, originally it was just, you know, sort of wealthy white male property owners that were voters. And that kind of reflected Congress and Congress kind of stayed in that zone though for, you know, a century or so. And so it's exciting to think like, you know, my great grandmother was a Seminole, um, my grandma, great grandmother Osceola. And so uh, it's exciting to think that, oh, wow, this, this, there is representation that really there hasn't been, I mean, there's been Native Americans, uh, uh, was it Congressman Cole, I think is very actively involved uh, and, and very proudful Native American from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Cole. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, this, but for, for women, um, uh, of a diverse group that has in recent years too, remember it was the, the, the whole demonstrations up in North Dakota just a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that long ago. So it's nice, you know, I think in, in part, you know, folks can say, well, it's, it's a, a response to, uh, you know, people being upset with the, the results of the 2016 election. But in some sense, too, there's just been other cultural phenomenon that's been taking place. The Me Too movement um, for women um, isn't just in politics, but it's been throughout, you know, Hollywood and society and culture. Um, so it's exciting to think that people are stepping up. We had a yeah. conversation here in Baltimore just the other day about people, you know, one that had an issue with, you know, Baltimore has its own swath of political concerns and things that are upsetting to some folks around safety and the way money's being spent. And, you know, some people are just like ready to throw their hands up and leave. And, and there's a response that I give that, no, 
this is your chance to step up to the plate. Exactly. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is to go through and find out, are any of these 435 or whatever we're at right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, visually impaired or have family members that are visually impaired, have a yeah. mother or father that's visually impaired. I mean, so, you know, we talk about uh, on the, the external glossed over, here is, here are people that represent us as a people. Yeah. Um, but we know blindness and disability in general crosses all socioeconomic. All people. All there people, was all races. I was scrolling through Facebook the other day and a, a fellow advocate in the disability community had put a picture up of, I guess, six new women who were just, you know, just sworn into the house. Um, and somebody had put the comment, you know, six, six women with disabilities. Statistically, if you look at the makeup of the U.S., at least one of those women probably has a disability. Now, nobody's disclosed, so, you know, who knows? But if you look at the statistics, I've heard anywhere from 56, 57, up to 60 million are the statistics I always hear of how many Americans has a disability. So if you look at that number, that means that one out of every six people, give or take, has a disability. So, again, none of these women have disclosed, but just looking at those numbers, it's likely that there are people in Congress with disabilities. So to really think about that and chew on that, that yeah, the likelihood of people having some kind of disability in Congress is pretty darn high. Um, so to, to think, you yeah. know, these people are representing us that, you know, we might well, not know, but they are there. I wanna, I wanna find out who, so for those like myself that nerded out as if it was like a sporting event and turned on C-SPAN on the third, yeah. Um, to watch the, the vote. Cause I love too when they do the roll call, but then they, they, before, um, not the roll call, but when the nominations and all the other people that get the votes and there was one vote for Tammy Duckworth mm -hmm. who, who is in the Senate now, she's no longer in the house, but for speaker, you know, they read through all the votes, you know, like John, John Lewis from Atlanta had one vote and, you know, Kevin McCarthy, of course had, he was the Republican sort of leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he had like 192, I think it was, um, along party line, but, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. Someone someone threw out um, Tammy Duckworth because the Speaker of the House does not need to be a member of Congress. You could nominate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could nominate the Pope if you wanted. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, so so it was interesting that that someone threw that in there, and and uh, I was like, oh, a nod for uh, you know, kind of disability rights because she is in a sense on the Senate side when we talk about who are our champions. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously. Uh, Someone who's, you know, very proud to be, you know, somebody with a disability and very involved in the community. And yeah, so I like that. I'll say, I'll say this too, and this is kind of my new hack, because, you know, the new nonprofit I'm leading is called the, the Downtown Baltimore Family Alliance. And we're all, you know, we focus on family issues. And um, regardless of what your politically, political ideologies are, um, for Nancy Pelosi, I mean, one, she's, she's a resident, she's, she grew up in Baltimore, in Little Italy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's exciting for, for us on that sense in Baltimore that, you know, one of Baltimore's own is, has returned to be the first sort of woman uh, speaker, but then to the first speaker in 60 years to, to retake the gavel, yeah. which is, you know, typically when someone, when there's a swell, sort of that backlash swell and you come back, um, you know, there's sort of this rush towards new leadership and something new. So it's interesting that, you know, they, they have held on to, to Pelosi as far as the vote, and she was able to work that. So, I mean, as Baltimorean, as Balmoreans, or whatever we call ourselves, or I don't know. Balmore. <laughs> That's exciting. But it was exciting that she had so many kids that she, she, she had come up. She invited all the, you know, there were a lot of members who brought their children there. They were yeah. so excited um, when they were sworn in. And, and it was exciting that she brought to the dais, which is like the desk up front, the table, yeah. 
where the president, you know, the speaker presides, has the gavel, and had um, all the kids up there. And that was just really exciting that just kind of a, uh, a much more welcoming um, message, I think, than I had anticipated from the usual pomp and circumstance and format. Yeah, exactly. Because when they, when, they, when they said the people that will escort in the new speaker, they had a list of, they called your state, California, which is like 40-something members of Congress. I think 50, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was like this huge yeah. litany of people that will escort. And I was like, oh, this is going to be crazy. But then it sort of turned into a fun sort of kid powwow up at the, up at the front dais in front of the, the house chamber. So that was exciting. Yeah. So yeah, so, so it's, it's, a, it's a fun day for families as well. Yes. I love it. Tying your, your new job into it. In well, part. I mean, it is. Um, you know, here, here's the thing is it's about, it's about the future. And yeah. the problem with blindness is there's not a lot of young uh, people. You know, our numbers as far as people who are young, it, we lean so much towards older well, yeah. populations. Just because, um, yeah, medically right. causes of blindness tend well, to lean more toward the elderly community. Yeah. Exactly. But I think of the, you know, you're going back to that sort of one out of, you know, if it's 57% out of what, 320 million or whatever. Um, we are. Yeah. You know, um, so what is that? Roughly one sixth, one fifth. One whatever. out of every six, whatever. Yeah. Every something like that. Don't so, judge my math. Yeah. That, um, what were the kids that were watching that day too, that maybe can think, um, you know, uh, even as a, as a child with disability, I mean, the numbers are going to be much lower for children with disability, particularly children who are blind, but, um, again, uh, how can we convey to people, you know, the women, young girls that were up there, mm -hmm. uh, a very powerful message that the ceiling has been broken, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. What do we need to do to break the glass ceiling for our, for our children who are blind yeah. with other disabilities and, and helping them break that ceiling? Because it, rightly so, um, my wife is very much a, a strong advocate for, for women's rights and, and equal rights for women and and you know she takes our boys to a lot of demonstrations and they wear their little pink hats love it and, yeah. um and you know and it's it's you know and just trying to think of ways that we can um empower our own youth and so yeah. it's, it's something to think about when we talk about what kind of agenda is going to be set yeah and how can we how can we find ways for our youth our students because in some sense, there's still the solid low expectations that, that is really strong for youth. As much as WIOA is working to combat the competitive, you know, to bring forward competitive integrated employment, um, I'm still hearing a lot of squirmishes and challenges and, and you know, it's, it's a lot of misconceptions that still yeah. exist. I mean, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of social and structural systemic barriers that stand in the way, I think. I'm even just think, trying to think as you talk about that, it just makes me think of role models for, for younger youth and that kind of thing in our legislature, whether it be at the federal level, at the state level. I'm sure there have been people who qualify as legally blind who have, you know, sat in those positions, but think you know, nobody Washington really pops state's out. Governor, yeah. I think Washington State's lieutenant governor is visually impaired okay yeah the one that was coming to mind for me was um the former governor of new york who you know governor's situation um paterson but there's not many you know it's not like i can think oh yeah you know him or her there's not a lot that you can really point to so yeah no and patterson always got like a you know he was razzed in the media like saturday night live would do skits to sort of mock yes it was and you know even then it's uh, how do we get above that stuff, you know, or yes. powering yeah. the fact that we have a blind governor, but yeah, 
You know, folks said that uh, John Hancock was visually impaired, which is why he actually yeah. was named so large in the Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence. That's right, yeah. Well, and just again, talking about the fact that the uh, elderly community is more likely to have potential disabilities, I wouldn't be surprised if some of our members, you know, of the House and Senate who have been serving for decades and decades, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they qualify as legally blind as they've gotten older, but they don't, you know, represent themselves as that because they've just kind of slowly, you know, become no, a member of the blind community, but don't, you know, identify as that be, as a result. So. Well, I know like Gus Bilirakis, who was from Florida, was visually impaired. Mm. Um, and, but yeah, I don't know if too many, I mean, yeah, the reality is chances are good. There's a number of them, particularly in the Senate, where it's still a lot of old men. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there's going to be vision impairment to some degree there, but. But they're not going to proudly say, yes, I am. They're not going <laughs> to embrace it in, in the same way that others have. So. Yeah. But you know what? It's going to be interesting is, is, yeah, it's finding out now that they're here, they're probably a lot of them are still like set up in the Longworth cafeteria or in the basements of the Senate buildings or well, there wasn't so much switch over in the Senate. But, you know, now there's that transition. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see once people get in offices and, and we're able to start meeting, um, where are those dots connected? And, and those are important questions for people to ask. I mean, everybody should reach out to their new member of Congress if they have yes. a new member and say, hey, congratulations, I am fill in the blank, and I'm a constituent of yours. Yeah. And you can get those address, go to, go to you know, house.gov, and you can go to congress.gov as well and look up, you know, or senate.gov for the senate, or house.gov for the house, www.house.gov, and find out your member, and then find out, you know, what their address is, and just shoot a note yeah. of introduction. Exactly. Uh, well, on that topic, too, I wanted to talk about a few issues that, you know, we've heard rumblings about or that people care about that might be, you know, pushing for legislation in Congress over the next couple of years, issues that affect the blind community or the disability community. So for instance, um, autonomous vehicles, a big thing, I know it's something you're really passionate about, Tony, um, that there's been lots of different um, rumbling of different legislation. There is the AV Start Act that's been promoted by some groups, um, other types of pieces of legislation that um, deal with autonomous vehicles and how that's going to work. Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk through some of those different laws that, you know, either have drafts have been written at this point, or there's just, you know, 30,000 foot level of what type of legislation we want to put out there. But there's a lot of discussion out there about different laws that can really benefit the blind community or the disability community as a whole. So I'm really excited to see what uh, the 116th Congress can bring to us, um, you know, in the bills that they're writing and how they might have some positive um, impact on our lives. So for instance, the AV Start Act, I'm really interesting to, uh, interested to see what might come of it. And how, you know, what impact it might have because autonomous vehicles, it's a brand new frontier. You know, how are they going to work? How might they be governed? What are the positive and neg negative implications? And so these new pieces of law are going to help really start to define what the laws will look like, what will be allowed, what won't be allowed. And that can have both negative and positive impacts for the blind community. Um, so for instance, some people are nervous that 
the new laws for AVs might still say you have to have a license. Well, we don't want that because, you know, I can't get a license, but is that even really necessary with an autonomous vehicle? So really putting our, our voices out there and saying, you know, how can these laws positively impact us, but then how could they also negatively impact us? So like Tony was saying, you know, reaching out to your, your um, representative and saying, hey, we need laws that say this or, oh, you know, when you're working on a law, please don't do that. So it's really important that we know what the laws they're working on look like and what they say and really reaching out and, you know, putting your two cents in so that they know, um, you know, how they can positively impact the blind community. So. Yeah, no, the, as far as like the AV one goes, um, cause that was something folks thought was going to get, get passed. There was a point of compromise, but then a, whole yeah. bit, a couple of democratic senators, but Initially, you know, the House passed its version of the bill that wasn't largely friendly or didn't have the things that that our community was concerned about, i.e. Uh, establishing, you know, a much more focused working group. You know, there was sort of this effort to get Department of Transportation to bring folks together around a table. But the Senate version, I think, um, you know, spelled that out. There was also protections in the Senate version. That uh, that talked about ADA right, you know, um, nothing she'll she'll discriminate on basis of ADA by that mm -hmm. licensing. Um, you know, there there were some concerns by some folks in a Democratic caucus of advocates around some other issues around data protection and safety and things like that, sort of transparency. But our work with the auto industry is is, is you know the way that the consumer market is pushing this right now. Uh, I think in some sense they are just as much. Um, responsive to their stockholders who are calling for similar things such as transparency and data. They don't, they want to get it right, not wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like when the car was introduced and they were like, Oh, well maybe we should put a horn on it. Maybe we should put <laughs> windows and safety thing, you know? And yeah. So when you think of just sort of how sometimes, you know, society just as much can, can guide the hand of industry. Yeah. What is it a uh, free market? Who was it? Adam Smith or what Adam Smith, lazy fair. Yeah. But yeah, so in that sense, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what's born out of the House now that the House has changed in the, in yeah. the Commerce Committee um, or, you know, Transportation Infrastructure uh, Committee yeah. in the House and versus, you know, I think the Senate might be the same. You know, there was a compromise in the Senate between Senator Peters, who's a Democrat from Michigan, and Senator Thune, who's chairman of that committee, the Energy and Commerce Committee in the Senate. So that's going to be interesting. There is there is also a grassroots swell. Um, we're going to hit the 10 year anniversary in 2020 of the Communications Video Accessibility Act, which has been that's right, yeah, forward with making the technical world. When we talk about accessibility for mobile phones, when we talk about accessibility on any two way communication through IP, you know, if it's got communication tied to it, such as instant messaging and chats and email and stuff like which that, which is everything now, yeah, so much of our world now because the ADA did not draw into its rules, the, the web accessibility guidelines, the FCC has really picked up a lot of the world in the tech space. And so there is talk, uh, I've talked with some folks around, you know, uh, should we do a, a CVA 2.0? So that's mm -hmm. stuff for folks to start thinking about having on their radar. Uh, there are still pushes for Medicare as our population still continues to get older. Yep. Um, so that's another legislative push you're going to probably A lot hear. of talk about laws that will impact the elderly because, like Tony mm -hmm. was saying, there were, people are only getting older, the baby boomer generation. And like we were saying, statistically, you're just more likely to, you know, develop a disability as you get older. It just is what it is. And so really starting to get people to understand, hey, these laws are going to, you know, impact me and affect me as well. Yeah. So 
So definitely, you know, medic, I mean, there's going to be debates on the healthcare front. We know in general between the house and the Senate, because yeah. there are two still polarized points of view around the affordable care act, but you know, there's going to have to be folks seriously looking at Medicaid and, and, and protecting people with disabilities. Um, but can Medicare as well um, mm -hmm. sustain expansion? If not even expansion, look, we need to talk about, you know, cause there's still concerns around in the 2030s about where can social security and Medicare be. Yeah positioned in the fund sense in their social security trust fund and then medicare funding as well as folks are continuing to live longer what kind of investments can we make so we get a strong return on investment so we're not putting people in institutions which is grossly expensive yeah you know we dealt with it with my mom before she died she had a stroke and just the cost is is just insane um you you bleed through savings really quick and yeah. then it's like you know uh filing for medicare or medicare you know and Things, you know, she would get physical therapy after her stroke, but she also went blind because of the stroke and they didn't do a darn thing about the blindness. She was yeah. getting speech therapy, physical therapy, learning how to walk, learning how to talk, uh, but nothing about learning how to, how to get around where you can't yeah. see because of the stroke. So, um, you know, there are still things we need to talk about in, in terms of services and supports, uh, you know, diabetes as well as a huge looming health risk in our country that's not been you know, sort of really handled, I think, and, and, you know, sort of the reins. I don't feel like we've gotten the reins on, on the huge number of Americans with diabetes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another area where about a third of those run risk of going blind from diabetic yeah. neuropathy. So lots of talk too about different pieces of law that can help, um, uh, incentivize employment for people with disabilities. Um, we're really fortunate to have a relationship with Senator Casey's office from Pennsylvania, and there's constantly talk about different laws that could help um, with employment to get you know people to want to employ people with disabilities, those kinds of things, because we know statistically the uh, rate of people with disabilities that are employed in the blind community specifically is still very, very low. So trying to work with Congress to find ways to incentivize people to employ people with disabilities, um, help work with things like social security so people aren't dissuaded from going back to work. So kind of all the different um, directions you can look at these different issues that um, have to do with employment. So a lot of stuff going on in that community as well. So. Uh, the legislature plays a big community or a big role in these different issues that our community is facing. So I think it's really important for us to realize that we need to reach out to our congresspersons and, you know, encourage them to look at pieces of law that'll help us, pieces of law that might have unintended negative consequences. So I always tell people, call, call, call your congressperson because I'm currently a resident of DC, so I don't have congresspeople to call. So every time I get mad, I go, I'm gonna call. I have no one to call. Um, so take advantage of that right. You know, it's you so You will important. get some benefits though with, with Elizabeth Holm Norton's. Um, I would not be surprised if Pelosi does you know, they did this before when the Democrats had control because it's also Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, it's true. Kind of vote. Um, but what they do is they create a committee of the whole and she can <laughs> vote in committees, Elizabeth Holmes Norton. Um, you know, she's they, our delegate in DC. As a delegate from DC, they have, they have power to vote on committees. So if the house creates a committee of the whole, they essentially turn the house of representatives into a committee where those other members from, you know, the U S Virgin islands and Guam, uh, America, Samoa, wherever else have you, you know, Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., get a chance to sit at the table for the Committee of the Whole and actually have a vote. And, and that, that's, that's exciting in a sense of, um, 
you know, it, it's, it's not the same. I know it's, you don't have two senators either, but, but um, <clears throat> in a sense, there is an opportunity for a little more representation for the DC yeah. area. Yeah. So, so yeah, get involved, you guys. Um, like Tony said, you can go to the House and the Senate um, web pages and find out how to contact your representatives. Get involved. I, what was I listening to the other day that was talking about the fact that a lot of people um, don't understand that you can literally go into any of the House or Senate buildings. Um, of course, you have to go through security, but you don't have to have an appointment. You know, they are open to the public, so it's not as closed off as you think. Um, you can schedule appointments to go and talk to a staff member. You can write emails and letters. Those are, they have lots of easy links to get to. You can call them. So know that you have access to your representatives. You know, we are, a, you know, a republic. So get involved. Contact you them. Have, you don't have to go to Washington either. I mean, people forget. That's true. Each of the websites will mention the address for the, for the home district offices. You know, yeah. You can get one, two district offices. In the House, you'll get a bunch for the Senate in most regional areas, um, and and you can visit them while they're there, and they yeah. and, and 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 talk to the staff. You know, usually there's like a staff director for that area. Yep. Um, you know, somebody that works meetings. If you're maybe a, a chapter president of ACB affiliate somewhere, uh, invite a staff. You know, a member of that staff to come to one of your meetings and talk about what is what is. You know, hold your members accountable. Um, and, and let them know you're there as a resource and, and invite those, those folks, even if it's a liaison or a constituent, you know, representative from a local office, it's a, it's a foot in the door to building relationships. And there's yeah. a lot in, there's a lot of new relationships that are going to have to be built. But at the same time, when folks are new, they're looking for folks that they can count on. They, there are so many new members that don't know a lot of anything to do with our issues. So now's the time to reach out and to remind them that, that, you know, if you're a leader in your community, that you're the expert on this particular issue, if it's disability rights, if it's blindness, vision impairment, and go ahead and get in and find out who those staffers are. We had big success when Gillibrand came into office, ended up learning that there were two staffers in her New York office, one in White Plains and one in New York City, that were both legally blind nice. and ended up holding roundtables for us and helping with legislation and other things. And so she's been you know, amenable and, and listening and helping bring together groups and talk about issues uh, Senator Gillibrand has over the years um, because of her staff. And, and, and that is a that is a perfect plug for us to say that in late February, we have our leadership conference that anybody is welcome to come to. We um, host it here in Virginia, but then you have the ability to go um, on the Hill early that week and we give you guys all the resources and tools you need to just go and talk to your representatives. How cool is that again, that you can go and talk, you know, if you have the ability to come to DC. So just to put a plug in for that as well. It's a great, a great, opportunity to come and get the resources you need and go and talk to to the house and senate so there you go great well thank you tony for coming we uh, really appreciate um coming virtually to talk about congress i'm excited to see what you know it's going to look like over the next couple of years so thank you for your your input and um we um are excited to to see what this year this year is going to look like like i said on the last um episode we have a couple of cool speakers coming on over the next few weeks guest speakers um to talk about some really cool issues that affect the blind community for instance autonomous vehicles like we just talked about so please stay tuned um and thanks everybody for listening today and remember keep advocating thanks tony my pleasure take care 
You've been listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. For questions and comments, email advocacy at acb.org. Learn more about the American Council of the Blind by visiting us online at www.acb.org.